Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Simple. My name is Luis Sanchez. I'm the director of the Simple Church Collective and a host of the Keeping It Simple podcast. And I'm Scott Callantine, co-host of the podcast and resident of the Simple Church Collective. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Simple. Scott here, one of your hosts. Glad to be here. I'm with my co-host. Hey, it's Luis. And we have a special guest. Hey, it's Melissa. We got the Sanchez duo in the house today. What up? So today is going to be a little bit different interview, a little bit different episode. I am going to be interviewing Luis and Melissa. So we're going to talk today about what we call Sunday dinners. It's a simple church that, what do you know, happens on Sunday evenings around dinner. So we're going to just talk about this and we'll see where the conversation goes. So uh, welcome in. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Thanks. How are you? We're also doing good. <laughs> We're in the thick of the holidays. We just had a Friendsgiving. Um, Christmas giving. Yep. Party yesterday. Um, they can, they combine Friendsgiving yep. and, and, and Christmas. Christmas. Yep. And we uh, just finished, uh, you know, celebrating Thanksgiving last week. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be having Christmas. So by the time this comes out, um, it'll probably be. Holidays could be over. Holidays could be over, yeah. So, but we're in the thick of the holidays right now, and we're enjoying ourselves. Cool. Uh, Can you guys kind of tell us, tell our audience a little bit about the origin of Sunday dinners? Yeah. We are in a neighborhood in Marysville, Washington, which is uh, just north of Everett. Um, If I'm not mistaken... Everett is Washington's third largest city, I think, third or fourth largest city. Um, Probably so. We've got Seattle, um, we've got uh, Spokane, uh, Tacoma, and probably Everett. Olympia. Um, yep, those are up there. So, third or fourth um, largest city. And then there's like a suburb of Everett slash Seattle. Um, and back in the 90s, this development came up. And um, a lot of people that used to work for Boeing and Microsoft used to live in this community. And so when we moved here, most of those Microsoft people had left uh, because uh, they developed the land around Redmond and there's other places where people could live. Back in the 90s, all that land was not built up yet. Um, And we moved here in the summer of 2019, not knowing anyone, uh, looking to plant Church for the Nations. And... We before we even knew about microchurches, we always been you know engaging missionally and incarnationally, and so even from then we just started to uh, reach out and uh, connect with the neighbors. Um, you guys know the stories about the if you've been listening along about the cookies and reach you know waiting a couple of weeks for neighbors to come and you know do the whole American thing and bring over pie and welcome you to the neighborhood. So that never happened. So we took matters into our own hands and brought cookies. Melissa baked like 180 cookies one day. And the next day it was, we're all sweaty in July and handing out cookies in the entire neighborhood. And little by little, we started getting uh, connected with the neighbors. And that's kind of where it all started. Um, just loving people, connecting with people, uh, making deposits when there was an opening, uh, uh, you know, and loving people well. So we launched um no we started having just parties we just started having parties um and we've talked about this in one of those like partying episodes um and 
we got to earn the trust of our neighbors, you know, and, and people specifically in this particular simple church, I think Melissa has been like the key figure more so than me even um, in connecting with the neighbors. And so I'll leave it at that. And then, and then you can kind of talk to us about that. Yeah. So we started with parties and stuff and um, we do like first Fridays, which I'm pretty sure we've talked about before. Um, you know, hosting kind of like a chill party the first Friday of every month. Um, and that's, you know, for the neighborhood and our friends and stuff. And then I think it was last January is when we decided to yeah. launch Sunday dinners. And so we thought, you know, we've got enough uh, relational equity with our neighbors and, and friends and our kids' friends' parents um, so let's just invite them for something a little bit more intentional um, instead of just first Fridays where we hang out. Mm. And let's be more intentional about talking about Jesus, um, but still with food because Absolutely. everything we do you have to have has to, we have to have food. It's biblical. We love food. So, <laughs> and uh, so that's, yeah, well, we didn't actually launch it in January because everybody was sick. And so, yeah, we've just learned don't not to launch things in the winter time. It's just germs, cold, snow, everything can, can go wrong. Launching, Scott's launching anything in the winter time. <laughs> we started. In How's the that fall. going, Scott? <laughs> we can do a separate interview on that one later. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think we we launched in February, and uh, launched Sunday dinners, and we basically just get together, um, we share a meal. And our neighbors and our friends come and, and their kids, um, and we eat and we talk about Jesus. Great. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, a little bit about um, your neighborhood and the party, the progression. What is the major demographic of this simple church? Is it specifically just people that live here or is there like a target audience within that people that come is there a prioritizing of people with kids or single people or is it just a wide net? What is it what does it look like for you guys? I think it's more geographical than it is um a specific life stage. Um although people are drawn to people like themselves. So we do have a lot of um people with children that show up to all of our gatherings because our house is you know, kid friendly, you know, mm. and we are the house in the neighborhood where all the kids come. We have the huge trampoline and, you know, we, we throw kid friendly events. And so it, it, people feel drawn here for that reason. But at the same time, it's more geographical. So we'll have neighbors that don't have kids at all that'll come. Uh, we'll have um, neighbors that are on the verge of retirement. You know, I'm thinking about Steve, you know, and he'll show up and he doesn't have kids, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and then you guys, you guys didn't have kids, you know. Still don't. Uh, still don't, <laughs> yep. And um, and then, so so I think it's more geographical, but it is true that people are drawn to like, you know, people in, in, in like life stages. So, um, so we don't intentionally go out and seek, Hey, let's go seek out all those families, but we're not going to reject where we are in life either. And be like, you know, so, mm. and if someone is a young person that doesn't have kids, we're not going to say no. And if someone's an older person that doesn't have kids, we're not going to say, Hey, no, this, you're not our target audience. Yeah. 
And I think when we do Sunday dinners, we don't do every Sunday like geared towards kids. And we don't do every Sunday just for adults either. So we, I would say, cast a wide net and then we're flexible. I think what's important too, and we've talked a little bit about this, every Sunday is not, doesn't look the same, right? So we meet three Sundays out of a month. Um, so some Sundays have five Sundays. On the fifth Sunday, we've tried to serve somewhere in the community. Like the last fifth Sunday that we had, it was Halloween. And so the very next Monday, so instead of that Sunday, we served we served on Monday. And um, we got to meet new neighbors and got to invite new neighbors to Sunday dinners and that kind of thing. Um, but usually we take the fourth Sunday off. And the first three Sundays, what we do is we'll do a Discovery Bible study on one of those three Sundays. Uh, then we'll do a Discovery Bible study for kids on one of those three Sundays, and then we'll do uh, just a game night on one of those three Sundays, and we'll focus on uh, just fellowship, uh, or some people might say koinonia. <laughs> so uh, we'll just focus on fellowship and stuff like that. So yeah, so so that keeps it fresh for us, and people at ADD, I think that that's important. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah. Yeah. The Sunday dinners has been going, at the time of this recording, just under a, a year. Correct. Um, and there's been highlights and lowlights within that year. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and share with our audience, like, what is one or two of the best things, the highlights? And then on the other side of that, what have been maybe some of the more difficult things, the challenges over this first year that you've discovered? I think one of the highlights for me is having the parents and the families of our kids' friends come and, like, raising our kids together. Um, And it doesn't stop when summer comes and, like, kids aren't in school anymore Mm. because they're all in the neighborhood. So we, we get to see the people that we do Sunday dinners with and stuff. We get to actually do life with them, too. It's not just Sunday dinner like a once a week yeah thing. yeah and so you know a couple of weeks ago uh Luis and the kids were all sick and stuff and i wasn't able to be here and everyone was kind of like rallying and trying to like help out and you know oh do you need us to go pick up your medication do you need you know one, uh, one of the families brought chicken noodle soup that like they had homemade and stuff mm. and so it's thank you sandra yeah. So like doing doing life with the people that we do Sunday dinner with and they are like our family. And I think that's a that's a big highlight for me. A highlight for me is seeing people engage despite um them not necessarily identifying as Christians. And I think that that's a big one for me. Like um non-Christian or, or some people would identify as atheists. Like we have this yeah, uh, you know, one couple who uh, she grew up in the church, he did not, um, and they're both searching, um, which is why they feel comfortable coming to Sunday dinner because it's not like your typical kind of church. Um, and so, um, but seeing non-believers engage and uh, feel safe enough to like actually say what they want to say uh, when we have like a discovery Bible study or something like that, like that, that's huge for me. You know, like, and just the engagement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the questions are really fun sometimes. And, 
you know, we might have a plan going into Sunday dinner and the, the Discovery Bible study, but one question will be asked and we'll just go in a totally different direction. <laughs> but it's always really good. So it's fun. And it's fun to think about things in a different way that maybe we are not thinking about. Mm. So, yeah, those are good questions. What have been some of the challenges over the past year that you've experienced? I think it's just how slow growth happens. You know, I think it's not just been a challenge. I think it's just been a learning curve of just learning. And and everybody said it, right? Like, hey, you know, everything moves at the speed of relationship. And so it pretty much we're still the new kids on the block. You know, there there's maybe one other family that came after us, you know, but, you know, a single mom down the road and, they're not as outgoing, you know, or or just have the bandwidth to like host people all the time, you know, but we're those people in the, in the neighborhood and still, you know, it's just the growth is slow. People are, you know, still kind of dipping their toe in the water when it comes to conversations of faith. We're still trying to be mindful of where people are, you know, and so, um, you know, taking it step by step. And so part of that is that challenge of like, Hey, wish we could drop like, a whole like sermon on people, you know, on like, get your life together, you know, like, but that's not where we're at. Right. Because that's not why they, they come, right. Mm -hmm. They come because they're taking it in bite-sized pieces. And so, and we're, and we're going at the pace of the spirit. Right. And so that's, at least we hope, you know, that, that that's what we're doing. And so just kind of being reminded that you can't rush God and you can't rush what he's done does. And so, yeah. Dishes. That's my... (laughs) Dishes. Dishes. A lot of dishes. (laughs) People don't talk about that. There's Someone's always got to do dishes. And so uh, I think a challenge is creating a community that um, has, like, shared responsibility. Um, And I think that we... I think we do it pretty well, but you have to, like teach it and like create that community that culture and yeah the culture so you have to uh like we've we've had to be intentional about that um and yeah there's always dishes because we have the really good food but the cleanup and i think part of it too is like people are having fun when they're here and like nobody's like wants to quit having fun to start doing dishes that reminds me of a quote from shane claiborne he says Mm -hmm. everybody wants to start a revolution but nobody wants to do the dishes you know like Everybody, everybody wants to get at it, change the world, but the day in and day out things uh, that upkeep, you know, things that need to happen like the, Yeah. I think that that's like real. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Like the planning, the, the getting stuff ready. It's all the little things like people will see the, the dinner part. Um, but it's all the other stuff behind the scenes that, that people don't see that can be a challenge. Mm. Um, coordinating, making sure that we have the right amount of food for the right amount of people. People don't really like to RSVP very much. So yeah, people, I don't know if it's just the Northwest or yeah, right? people or Americans. I don't know, but people know. ain't good at RSVPing. I just, I send like three text messages out throughout the week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and maybe Saturday too. Like, <laughs> just to know. remind people, Hey, yeah. are you coming? What are you bringing? Not, can you bring something? What are you bringing? <laughs> And creating that space for people to, you know, not everybody needs to bring something, you know, but um, 
But I think I mean they could they could bring like ice. Sure, like it doesn't sure. have to be. A but creating a culture where everybody <laughs> brings something to the table, I think that that's important too. Mm-hmm. According to the Tampa Underground, the average lifespan of a micro church is eighteen to twenty four months. I believe that was pre COVID. Yeah, um, that was pre COVID. So yeah. the stats may, you know, lengthen slightly or decrease slightly, but it's going to be in the same ballpark. Sunday dinners is um, just under a year. How do you guys feel thinking about the long term um, longevity of Sunday dinners and the trajectory? And with that stat in mind, um, where do you guys see Sunday dinners going and, and the future of Sunday dinners? Well, I think the way my brain works and maybe because of COVID or just the way like the world changed and how flexible we have to be, I only plan for like three months at a time um, and allow for change and flexibility. Um, and also, the there are natural transitions in life and mm-hmm. so not to fight those. Um, so like if you have to move or, you know, something like you can't force it if it's not going to, if it's not going to be. So just planning three months ahead, that, that works out for me. And then being flexible. Yeah. Life happens. Right. And I think that that's why that number is the way that that is. And the mission never changes. Right. But the assignments might change, right. Where you're at and where, uh, and who who you're called to reach, and that's the beautiful thing about being on mission with Jesus is like you're not, um, you know, the expectation, and it's like such a false expectation. When I first went into ministry, like it wasn't micro churches, it wasn't simple churches. It was like the expectation was like the, a pastor is assigned to a church and he's there till he dies, but that gives no room for the apostolic types to start new things. And a lot of apostolic types are called to, in this season, that's what I'm seeing, you know, the simple church um, form of, of, you know, gathering. And so if you're an apostolic type, you're probably going to be starting things, you know, over and over and over and over again. And some of those things you'll hand off and there'll be some longevity. And other thing, and other people, it's like, hey, that thing had its lifespan and it lived its lifespan, you know. So as far as uh, Sunday dinners go, you know, we're renting this place that we're renting, and there is a natural end in sight from where we are. At the same time, at our neighbors, like our neighbors are could are talking about moving, right? So some of our when you have just a core, like we'll we'll get like twenty four people at, on average at Sunday dinner. That includes all of the kids. So the, the Sanchez's are six. There's another family; they're also six, so that's twelve. And then there's other families that come that you know four and so that's 16 and then there's other than adults without children and so we're averaging about between 20 and 24 people and then like you guys are uh, scott and selena have been coming you guys are no longer going to be a part of this group because you guys are multiplying and you guys there's only so many hours that you have in a week right and so so what we see is that melissa and i are called to be uh um almost like a hub that multiplies and sends other where that's going to be. I don't know long-term, you know, but that's just, you know, we're called to be a multiplicative hub, you know, Mm -hmm. and wherever and establish that. And we do that with our children. We do that with all of our people. And then, you know, you and Selena are coming through and then 
you guys are, you know, are, are moving on. So life happens. We don't fight it. We lean into it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see. I don't know the answer to that question, but we hope to be able to be in this kind of thing for a long time. Yeah. You know? But there is a longing sometimes of even my own children. It's like <laughs> they watch the show on Netflix. My girls asked me the other day, I was like, Daddy, we want to go to church. I was like, we are the church, you know, like, and we gather as a church. He's like, we want to go to the house of the Lord. (laughs) That's what they said. I was like, where'd you get this from? So there's this show that they watch on Netflix. So I was like, at least they're watching something good on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, With the average lifespan of a simple church being kind of less than two years, some people might approach that as a negative they might feel like, oh man, is it worth it if it's not gonna last that long? Or, you know, that thought might come across people's minds. When you think about the lifespan of a simple church, are you encouraged? Is that a is that a discouragement? Or how do you feel about it? It may be not lasting lo- super long. Some obviously do, all right, because they stretch that, um, and others are lesser. But is that something that is like encouraging or challenging or how do you feel about the window of a, of a simple church? I think the, the lifespan for me is it's not a sad thing if it comes to an end or transitions or anything. It's like a new adventure. <laughs> That's just how my, not everyone thinks that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that the relationships end. Right. Yeah, that's like true. The, the, that specific version of a simple church might end but it might morph into something more beautiful. Um, it might give people who have been coming a chance to lead and reach people in their own capacity, in their own way that we are not reaching, like their coworkers or something, and then they want to start something. So like our relationship with them is not ending. Um, it just looks different um, because I plan on keeping my friends and relationships for a long time not mm. just oh this simple church is over so i'm not going to talk to you ever again yeah no. that doesn't work like that mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say to someone who is trying to start a, a similar work um but they're struggling to draw unchurched people in i think it goes one of two ways either you struggle to draw the unchurched people in and it's just a bunch of christians which is not a bad place to start but you lack mission or you draw a bunch of unchurched people and you struggle to bring in Christians that are on mission. Mm -hmm. So maybe to both of those people, um, you've probably found yourself in both spots at some point. What would, what kind of advice would you give them? What kind of encouragement would you give them? Let's, let's start with the people who are struggling to draw the unchurched. Yeah. So I think when you think about that, when I think about that, it's, you got to love People, you have to love people. And specifically, you have to love lost people, right? Um, And you have to make sure that you don't posture yourself in a way that you're better than these people. Because you're not. I'm not, you know? And so people will know the difference if they're, if you make them out to be a project, you know? And like, and I've discussed this on the podcast before. It's like, they know if they're a project. But if they're genuinely people that are loved and cared for by you, you're going to be able to draw people, both Christians and non-Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Because they know that you that, that you love them. And so here's the thing. On my team, I would rather a person that is less gifted 
and that does not necessarily have the skills to necessarily say do a bunch of evangelism or other kind of work or kind of your normal kind of church work. But if they love lost people, man, that's something that you can't teach, right? Like you have to remember where God got you from. And that's where that comes from, right? Like remembering that God rescued you from a pit and, and, and that without God, you'd be lost. And so, so that's the first thing is like, and so no, you can't teach it, but yes, your heart can grow for that. Um, by asking the Lord, like, Hey God, give me a heart for people that don't know you yet. And then help me to not be weird in mm -hmm. engaging them, right? <laughs> well, it's already going to be weird because if you're nice, because the world is not necessarily full of people that are kind, right? Like mm -hmm. a real kindness, you know? And so that's, I think, the thing that sets us apart. I think it's like we genuinely love people, genuinely love people, and are really kind to people. Um, and they may not necessarily um, all end up at our simple church. Some people just come on first Fridays and they will not come to simple church. And that's okay. Cause my job in their life, perhaps, or Melissa's job or your life is just to water those seeds, you know, but our fruit, you know, other people have said this before. It's like grows on other people's trees. We don't know, you know, but a couple of years down the road, you know, this person that we loved on and this person that we walked beside, you know, they may come into the kingdom and, our job is just to be faithful right now while we have them. I just add, you know, when you're having your conversations with people and you think, oh, maybe I should invite them to this thing. Um, don't discount them because you think that they wouldn't be interested or that you're afraid that they'll say no. Like the worst that they can say is no. Um, but mm -hmm. if you kind of filter people out and say, oh, they wouldn't be interested or it'll be weird or whatever. You're robbing them of an opportunity um, mm. to learn about Jesus in a, in a different way and to enter into these relationships. So just inviting someone over to dinner, that's it. Mm. Uh, would you give any different advice to someone who is struggling to find fellow believers that want to join their work in the microspace? Read Hugh Halter's book <laughs> on on partying, you know, like you can reach people without being weird. <laughs> um, and man, I, and I, th I think we still struggle with this is like, and I think the hurdle for a lot of people is like, how, how is this church? Right? Like, because church has singing three songs, you know, a talk, uh, an offering time, <laughs> you know, and then like, some sort of call to response, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I think saying to believers, like, hey, man, where two or three are gathered, that's where it, what we see in the text, you know? And in the beginning, they bo did both temples and, we, t and tables, right? And so we're doing a lot of table stuff right now. But, we, you know, it's not an or deal. Like, this is part of what Jesus did. And you know, give it a shot. I uh, was sitting with a coworker this week and he asked me, so what did you do before this? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm still doing it. Um, you know, and I kind of explained to him like simple churches and Sunday dinners and stuff. And you could see the wheels turning in his head and he um, is Ukrainian and Catholic. 
Um, mm. And he, I mean, it was awkward because like we're we're working and stuff, and I don't really want to like get in trouble. <laughs> but I mean, he asked me what I did, so this, that's what I do. And um, like every five or ten minutes, he would come up with another question, and he'd be like, "Well." So you just do like dinner and you talk about Jesus? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. You know, and he's like really processing it. And then at the end of our time sitting together, he was like, oh, you know, it's kind of like in the Bible, right? <laughs> like, like a Bible times, that's like what they did. And, you know, he goes to church and stuff and, but he was really interested in the simple church format. Mm. Um, and I like, next time I see him, I wouldn't hesitate to invite him. Um, it, I don't want people to think that like, I'm trying to take them from their church either, you know, yeah, but yeah. if they're searching and they're looking and, you know, asking questions and are interested, Hey, come, you know, come check us out. We could use more Christians. <laughs> mm. And Christians really help round out a discussion. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes like the discussions could get like borderline, you know, like heretical and we're not there teaching people, right? We're teaching people how to listen to the Holy Spirit um, through the text. And we're believing that God's going to show up because the author of the scriptures is in the room. And But having um, believers helps a whole lot in a Discovery Bible study setting because the believers, the group self-corrects, you know? And when the group self-corrects, that's better than one person coming down and saying, hey, and that's not what you know, the author had in mind, you know, and like, then that's like, oh, 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 slow down there. No, but but when the group's like, well, what about this? You know, or, well, I've read this in another part of the Bible, you know, and then that's, that's, yeah. those are some of the best groups is when like someone says something off the wall and then, you know, the other believers in the space are like, well, what about this other thing? You know? Mm. What kind of advice would you give to someone who is contemplating starting a new work? That they want to get a simple church started or something similar. Um, maybe they're just thinking about it or maybe they're beginning to take steps into actually doing that. What kind of advice would you give to anyone in that kind of space? I would start small. Not like, okay, we're going to do this every Sunday um, for the next six months or, you know, start small maybe once a month or twice a month and then see the response that you get. And if people are like, dang, I'm, I miss it on the weeks that we don't meet or, you know, then add something else in as you grow. That way you don't have to scale back, but instead you're, you can, you know, amp it up instead. So I would, mm. I would start small. And also it, it helps with this, you know, like stress of starting something new. Yeah. Because it is a change. And what I would say is like, is it synergetic with what you're already doing in life? Like don't start a thing that's going to create stress in your life, but rather start a thing, A, because God wants you to do it. And B, that already lines up with you know, your interest that already lines up with your what you're doing in life, you know, um, and don't reinvent the wheel, right? Like, so I'm thinking about, you know, trying to lay down the groundwork of starting a, a simple church on the river because I like fishing and I like fishermen, you know? And so 
um, doing that, I'm already probably going to be on the river, you know? So how do I merge my passions, you know, and just give it a shot? It may or may not work, right? But I've been sensing this for a while now. It's like, I want to start a brand new work. Um, where do I already see God at work in my life? So I've been already developing these relationships. Actually, we got to fish a couple of weeks ago, like last yeah. week. And I just touch base with folks on the water, you know, hey, man, how's mm-hmm. it going? Hey, how are the other rivers doing, you know? And they know what I do from the very beginning. I, I You know, as soon as there's an opportunity, I, I don't hide the fact that this, you know. And so when I <clears throat> share vision, hopefully they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll try that. I'll give that a try, you know. Um, but don't start, don't try to do something way new that's way outside of your comfort zone, you know. Find something that's already synergetic with where you're at in life, you know, and then so it adds something to your life. And doesn't like take away something from your life. Mm. Take away being like time and effort and yeah. energy, and you know, it'll cost you all of those things. But it'll be so much better if if it's something that you're passionate about, um, people that you're passionate about, you know, um, and already doing something where where the Lord's already at work in your own life. I think. For anyone that's listened to this episode, they're going to glean some kind of valuable insight on either um, starting a new thing or in while you're in it and some of the challenges you might face but and some of the, the good that's going to come out of it. Um, so Sunday dinners, as I've been a part of it, has been a, a great journey. And as you have alluded to, Luis, and said, Selena and I are going to be leaving and starting our own new work. Um, we're excited to see where that goes. And like you, Melissa said, we're going to take it s- small at the beginning. And mm-hmm. we've already been had a couple of gatherings. We're going to have a couple more, kind of like see where momentum leads us. And if we don't gain momentum, we'll pivot, right? Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of what we're doing is there's flexi- flexibility mm-hmm. to pivot. And I, if, if I would give any kind of advice, um, be willing and able to pivot would be my advice but you guys any parting words that you have for our audience any last things that you would want to say from your experience so far i think i'd just like to do a a side note that it doesn't have to be in your house Mm. like if you don't have a home that you can host 24 people that does not discredit or discount you from doing a simple church um you know people meet 15 minutes before their shift starts at work and they do a Bible study. You can meet at a coffee shop. There's so many other places and ways that you can um, get together with people and run a simple church. It does not have to be around your specific table in your house. Um, Or if someone else in the group has a house, you can be like, oh, how about you host and I'll run it. You know, there's so many different ways that it can look. So that's an encouragement, I think. That's good. That's good. Luis, do you have anything to add? Yeah, so I would just reiterate and double down on the synergy part, you know. Um, Don't waste a lot of energy trying to do something on the margins where you could just put good energy towards something that you're already doing, you know. Um, So if you are already, you know, working with people in like say the homeless space right like if you're if 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 you all see the same homeless people you know going on your way to work like and god has given you a burden for these homeless folks then maybe do something that 15 minutes 20 minutes a a, a week 
stop by, get to know people, you know, whatever it is, you know, if you, if you like golfing and you see the same people go, you know, at the course over time, like maybe invite those people over for dinner. And so now when you go out on to the golf course, you're going to be on mission too. You know, you're not just going to go there and just like, just, you know, um, so you can incorporate this stuff in stuff that you're already doing. And that's, you know, basically what I wanted to add, you know, just look for places where God's already at work in your life and then make some deposits there. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you'd like to support us more, check out our podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash keeping it simple podcast. If not, we'd love your support through subscribing, sharing episodes, and liking and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come.